Welcome to Science Radio, a space where we chat about culture, belief, wellness and current events all through the lens of faith. Welcome back to Science Radio. It's your host, Jesse Herford here, and I am super stoked to bring you a second episode for this month. That's right. We have been going monthly episodes for a little while now, but I am pleased to be able to share a second episode with you for the month of July. Now, what is this episode today? We have a brand new team member on the signs team. Her name is Zanita. No relation to Benita, and it was completely coincidental that their names sound so similar. However, in the July issue of Science of the Times magazine, Zanita wrote for us an article entitled The Science of Dining. In this article, she makes a pretty bold claim. That is that dining once changed the face of the world, and maybe it can do that again. The article was so interesting to us that Jared, our esteemed editor-in-chief, interviewed Zanita for Record Live. Adventist Record is our sister publication, and every so often, Jared will do a live interview on Record's Facebook page and YouTube channel. And what you're about to hear is from one of those conversations. So if you'd like to check out the article, it's in the July issue of Science of the Times magazine. Otherwise, enjoy our conversation with Zanita on the science of dining. to tell us a little bit about yourself we're going to talk today about eating together and i was unaware before you'd written an article for signs your first official article for signs about some of the scientific benefits some of the history of of meals at a table and that sort of thing and and that's very interesting we'll get to that but tell us a little bit about your journey to this point cool so prior to this role which i've only been in for about two weeks now i was doing some freelance writing and working at youth camps and doing a bit of life coaching. So that's kind of what I've been doing for work the last few years. In my free time, I'm pretty active and I'm pretty social. So I'm either surfing or climbing or hiking and I'm trying to drag everyone along with me. At the moment, you're based on the Gold Coast. For those that don't know, the sort of records slash science team has been a bit under capacity in the last probably year and a half in some way or another. And so it's been a bit of a struggle. So yeah, we're very, very glad to have Zanita on, on board with us. Just going back to something you mentioned, the, the some of the youth work and stuff, one of your passions or one of the sort of projects you mentioned to us that you were doing a lot of stuff in schools around mental health and that sort of thing. Yeah, so just going to schools and doing workshops with kids, kind of on things you don't really learn at school, like things like relationships, confidence, money, and then also working at youth camps so basically just kids going on school camp which is really fun that's really cool yeah and very important i guess to invest in the next generation so what i didn't realize before reading your article that you've done for signs and it's going to be in the july signs so if people want to check that out it's the sort of concept of how eating together can be a benefit 
to your health. So let's start looking at that, unpacking that. How is that possible? It's not necessarily intuitive. You know, if you eat an apple, start your day with an apple, you think, well, that's a good, healthy thing to start with. But why does it matter if you eat with other people or not? Yeah, good question. I suppose there's a lot of studies that have been done on the benefits of connecting with people and socializing. Like we know that that actually does affect our, especially our brains, like it affects our like serotonin levels and our dopamine levels and things like that. It gives you this endorphin buzz when you spend time with people. The problem we have is that we're, we live very busy lives. And so we actually don't have time to connect with people. And so we have these like mm-hmm. moments of the day where we need to eat like to survive and it's kind of the yes. most ideal situation like we have to stop to eat so we may as well do it with people and I think that's why it's kind of been carried down for so long because it's the one thing that forces us to stop like I often wonder if I often wonder well I used to wonder why God designed us to need to depend on food like sometimes it seems a bit inconvenient like it costs money it makes, okay. takes time yep. but I think if he didn't like we would just never stop and we would never have those opportunities to like eat together. We'll split this up a little bit because it seems like there's mental health benefits that we've sort of touched on, Mm -hmm. but also physical health benefits. In your article, you quote the Journal of Pediatrics, which says that families who prioritize eating together rank lower in obesity and health problems. That seems fascinating to me because often you think of a big family meal, like there's more food when you have people over, there's more, you're more likely to eat seconds. I don't know, like church lunch, potluck lunch, you've got a lot of options and you're more likely to eat more. But it seems that this study shows that it's actually the other way around. If you're eating as a family, it's actually good for your health, good good for things like obesity levels. I think sometimes we undermine the health benefits of socializing and how that impacts our physical bodies I know I've done this in the past I have excluded myself from eating with other people because of like dietary requirements or because I'm trying to eat healthy when in reality it's like you're actually doing damage to your body because you're isolating yourself and that has really big implications that we often don't think of when it comes to eating there's been a lot of studies especially with families on the importance of eating like with your children in terms of like people rank lower in obesity and health problems and they're less likely to be depressed and have anxiety in the future and there's reduced risk of like substance abuse and better communication skills like there's so many studies that have been done specifically with families with young kids we hear about reading to your children and things like that and i guess it's another time where the kids feel maybe prioritized there's opportunity to chat as a family and to interact with each other. You mentioned that once upon a time, dinner changed the world, the dinner table, the idea of eating together. Can it do it again? That was your sort of teaser for your article. Can you unpack what that means a little bit? How does eating dinner together, how did it change the world and how how do you see it changing our world today? There's this really good book someone once gave me. It's called Surprise the World. It's by a man called Michael Frost. In the book, he talks about how eating, eating together transformed the Roman Empire which is a really extreme thing to say and it turns out there was this this emperor Julian and the thing that got most under his under his skin was the fact that Christians were so good at hospitality and they were hosting these things that he referred to as like love feasts which was basically just them being intentional about inviting people over for meals like people maybe that they wouldn't usually associate with and so emperor Julian he decided to do the same thing and so he got his men 
to all of a sudden start hosting these like elaborate banquets and these elaborate feasts. And it was actually a bit of a flop because their focus was on the food and the party, whereas the right. Christians were most, mostly focusing on, oh, we just want to like love people and bring them into our home and make them feel included. And so, yeah, they were really successful in that because they, it was something they were known to do almost every day. And, and their focus was on the people versus on the food, basically. So, yeah. and I imagine they were eating with friends and neighbours and possibly undesirables or, or people who were yeah. lower socioeconomic. There was a yeah. chance to feed the poor, the outcasts, because it says that in the Bible. There's a number of Bible passages, I think, that touch on that sort of idea in the New Testament. Yeah, so if you look in Luke, there's there's a number of instances where Jesus spends time with people eating. So he's eating with everyone from like tax collectors to fishermen, basically. And he doesn't even like, he doesn't even think about the food. He'll like, you see him feeding the 5,000 just on a patch of grass and he doesn't even have anything. He just depends on a little boy's fish and bread. So the focus again, like wasn't for the food. It was mostly on showing people hospitality and spending time with them and connecting and um, I guess mm. breaking down those barriers where we often are like quite exclusive in who we have for dinner or who we sit and eat with because it's quite like a intimate thing. Yeah, I, I've found that when you share a meal with someone, it deepens that relationship. You you yeah. talk about, you know, things you don't normally talk about or, you know, if you know someone in a work context or in a even in a church context, until you invite them home and eat with them, you're not really getting to know them. It's sort of surface level conversations um, I guess that's why so many people go on dinner dates <laughs> right yeah yep yep to break down barriers in the yeah. dialogue tell me you've had some experience in this as well you're not just I, I like this when our authors are not just writing about a topic but they are practitioners of that topic you, you used some anecdotes in your in your story, but there was one particular young man who you you and your friend group was eating with, and it really impacted their their life and their their journey. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, so I um used to go to a Seven Eleven around from where I used to live, just a normal petrol station, and there was this guy who started working there from India, and he was about the same age as me. And mm -hmm. so when I would go into the petrol station, I'd just have like a brief chat with him. And one day I must have asked something specific and he answered that he was feeling really lonely in Australia and finding it really difficult mm. to make friends. And mm. I reactively thought, oh, like I have heaps of friends. <laughs> like this is no problem. Like, and and so <laughs> I believe it was my birthday either that day or the next day. And I told him, I was like, oh, my friends and I, we're building a, a beach, like a sand couch on the beach and we're having hot dogs. Wow. Like you should come. Like it was the simplest, cruisiest thing wasn't going to affect me at all like we were already doing it so I was like oh I'll just invite him and he came and then after that it was like whenever my friends and I would have a meal together we would just invite him along and often he wouldn't arrive until like 9 or 10 p.m because he would always work up until that so he would come for like 30 minutes eat the leftovers and leave and then every day like the day following I would get these messages of him like thanking me so much for inviting him and like he really appreciated it and then we had this other dinner event thing just with my friends and I where we we made like chai and we made Indian food and we were eating it with our hands and roti like they do in India. And he came to that and at that time he had family members in India who had like died from COVID or 
who were really sick and so he was feeling like especially homesick because he was mm. so far away from them and because he was grieving on his own and that night for him was like the tiniest slice of home like that he hadn't experienced in Australia and it just was brought a little bit of comfort for him because it was like mm. memory wow. of home and he actually like told us that we were eating incorrectly with our hands and he taught us how to do it properly and like kind of showed us how it really is over there but yeah for him that was a really big deal and and he ended up moving across the country like a few weeks later and the night before he left we all went to 7-eleven and we just had like slushies like the frozen slush machine things with him and that was the meal that we shared with him and he kind of told us like kind of with like tears in his eyes how much us inviting him in, into the group had meant to him and that that was best thing that had happened to him since being in Australia and so for us it wasn't really a big deal we were just like inviting another person to have dinner with us like it was something we were already doing so but for him it like changed his life and yeah something as simple as like inviting someone to join you for dinner can have a really big impact on them like you never really know where they're at and I think a lot of people are really craving like that connection and that yeah that social interaction it reminds me of some neighbors of ours. We we're in an apartment building where we live. And so someone used to come to church and bring cheesecakes from the cheesecake shop. No one would eat them all. There, there was always some leftover. So we'd always take a half or a quarter or something of this cheesecake that was left over. And we'd go next door to our, our neighbor and knock on their door and say, hey, do you want some, do you want some cake? Do you want some cheesecake? Because we tried other types of food and he wasn't really interested in other foods he, he had a specific he was Fijian Indian and the, the curries he used to like to eat dinner and it was always the same sort of dinner that he would have so when savories and stuff came around he wasn't that interested but when we give him this cheesecake he just loved he just loved it and I remember at one point his I think his father died and they had a big feast for the family and he brought around all these leftover curries and and all sorts of you know did the breads and and everything and you know, in talking, he discovered I was vegetarian. So whenever they would have these feast days, these fasting days as well, when they would cook solely vegetarian food, he would bring me leftovers because he knew I was vegetarian and, and he wasn't vegetarian, but he, he would have often these vegetarian curries. And it was just, it was really nice to, it really deepened our friendship as neighbours, made us closer. And I think, you know, it did diminish some of his, you know, loneliness and things like that when we first met him he was single living by himself you know away from his daughters and he just was able to share with us and we watched origin state of origin together <laughs> we had a few nights you know invited him to events that we had and it wouldn't have happened i can i can claim this it wouldn't have happened without the cheesecake <laughs> that was the thing that opened that relationship so yeah I, yeah, I had another situation where I was, my family and I were in Germany and we had gone to this church where like no one spoke English except for this one man and he insisted mm. that we come over for lunch. He kind of said like, I don't have much to feed you, but like I would love to have you over. And so we went to his house and we didn't know, but he had just gotten back into the country the day before. Um, the only thing he had in his house was flour and a little bit of leftover birthday cake from his daughter's like fourth birthday. And so he made what he could with flour and water. Like he just made crepes and gave us jam. And that's what we had for lunch. And that and a, like a few spoonfuls of cake. And it was the most like, <laughs> it's probably one of my most memorable dining experiences. Like 
not because of like the fact that we just got crates, but because he was like so hospitable and he just like was so grateful that we were there and we felt really welcomed in this like foreign yeah. country. And we also felt, I think, really like touched that he invited us, even though he didn't have anything much to offer us. And yeah, like five years down the track, he still emails us and like says, oh, I'm so glad we met and that you were able to come over. Like, so yeah, I think that also emphasizes that it's not necessarily about the food. Like I'm sure even if I ask you now, like, can you remember five of the meals people have made you when you've gone to your house? You probably can't list them. Like I thought about it earlier and I was like, I don't know, I can think of like three, maybe like that being one of them. And yeah, so it's not, it's not the food that's as important as the company. Another family in our building, they were Korean and they made rice paper rolls. They invited us over to their house and with the fresh, fresh cut veggies, she had somehow cut so perfectly the thin strips of carrot and the thin strips of cucumber and all the rest. And again, they had a, a bit of a meat option, but they also knew that I was vegetarian and this was a meal that they they wanted to to do because they could have the most variety of sort of things that that were accessible to me and you know because they had journeyed with us they'd come to a few events at our house and things like that they actually asked me to say the blessing for the the meal because we'd done that at our house and it was really it was a beautiful sort of moment to see that happening you know to have them not only invite us into their house but ask us to bless the food in that context so yeah, I, could, I, I think you're right. It doesn't matter necessarily the food. It can be quite simple or, or, you know, whatever you've got in the cupboard. But we often, I find, do you find that it's easy to make excuses not to eat with people? My house isn't clean. I don't have the right food. I don't, you know, for whatever reason, I, I've been busy. I just need some me time. Like, how can we overcome some of those those blockages? Yeah, I suppose one solution is like you don't have to cook. Like you can always go out for food or you can order food or you can literally have like toasted sandwiches or smoothies. <laughs> yeah, like going out has the same effect. Like you're still sitting across from someone eating and connecting. Like it does the same thing. As for being busy, I guess it depends on what your, um, what's the word, priorities? But it, it could also be overcoming like social fears or just getting out of your comfort zone a little bit. Like you might even be asking like, who do I ask or who do I eat with? It seems that COVID has impacted this situation. We're probably eating with other people less. That's my feeling. Even with a family, as a family, you know, when COVID hit, my wife had set up her workstation on one end of the dining table. My workstation was on the other end of the dining table and we used to change our daughter in the middle because that was the easiest place to, to have her nappy and change table sort of station. So our table was pretty much covered. So we would more likely sit on the lounge or stand in the kitchen at the bench because we had no real space to eat together in, in that way. Have you found that in terms of your social circles and things that COVID has impacted people going out even to cafes to eat in friendship groups and that sort of thing? And, and maybe what are some of the ways we can um, still do things COVID safe, but rediscover the joy of eating together? I don't know if things have been as strict on the Gold Coast, but there was there was a period during lockdowns where obviously we couldn't go out. And at times like I would have, like I celebrated a few birthdays over Zoom and we still ate together. <laughs> but I was at the time just prioritizing eating at least with the people in my household. So whether it's your family members, because there's still people who 
you can build connections with or whether it's your roommates they're also people who you can still connect with and who you're in close proximity with anyway so it doesn't even necessarily have to be like i'm gonna go invite a stranger over or my neighbor over like just look at the first people in your first immediate sphere and build closer relationships with them like make a meal and sit down with them so i suppose that's the easiest way to deal with these COVID things I'll just share this comment from Linnell, who's, who's sort of talking about when they were a young pastoral couple and an elder man, elderly man with a not so well wife took us home for supper lunch. Can't remember the mains, but we had dessert, a bowl full of rice bubbles and peaches from a can. It kind of sounds like your simple crepes with jam meal. And it's just, it's just a beautiful, I guess, picture of hospitality, even if it's a simple sort of fair, people aren't looking for extravagant three-course meals, they're looking for connection. There's another really good book called The Art of Gathering by a lady called Freya Parker. And her whole book is talking about how to make meaningful gatherings that people remember and that people feel safe at. And in it, she doesn't mention the importance of food at all, not because it's not important, not because it doesn't matter, just because it's not really a big factor when it comes to building connection. Like we tend to focus a lot of time and a lot of worry and a lot of money on inviting people over for a meal, but nobody really expects like restaurant level perfection when you come over to dinner. Like right. they, they really just want to connect. And, and really, I think sometimes if you have a more simple meal, it makes people feel more comfortable and it probably makes them more likely to invite you over for a meal because there's like less pressure. <laughs> right right because they they don't feel they have to live up to the standards that yeah, you've, exactly. <laughs> you've done with what you were sharing about eating with your housemates eating with your family i guess there'll be people there may be people who watch this at some point who don't live with a family maybe they're single living on their own or that sort of thing how can how can they involve themselves or engage in this kind of behavior because as you've mentioned it's really beneficial for us as humans to to have this sort of opportunity are there any ideas or tips and tricks you could think of that that might help someone in a situation where they don't have a a family to eat with every night it's great to eat with your kids and your spouse if you can prioritize that but what about someone who um for whatever reason is in a season of their life where they don't have people around that they can do that with yeah i would just suggest thinking about the people that are in your life for whatever reason like whether it's friends or whether it's like people you work with or whether it's people you see regularly at your local shopping center mm -hmm. that might be daunting but like i'm sure most people have a friend um that they right. could say hey let's go get lunch or dinner or hey would you like to come over yeah i would just simply start by just asking one person and then make mm -hmm. it a long-term goal to like eat with someone like two different people per week or three different people per week um, right. I would just start small. <laughs> Make the effort, yeah, and, and yeah, set something up. Social stretch, like a social exercise. <laughs> right, right. I like that. Stretching yourself socially. Yeah. So socializing <laughs> is a muscle, really. Like connecting with people is a bit of a, a bit of a social muscle. And so that might seem for some people really daunting first off, but that will get easier, I think, once once you exercise it. Yeah, and I don't know how as you mentioned restrictions in people's different areas have been different but i know after some of the long lockdowns that we experienced it was really hard to go 
into public places again, <laughs> you know, because you're not used to socializing. As you said, it, it becomes a, a muscle that's out of use or, or not, not familiar with anymore. So yeah, that's a good, I, I like it. So in record life, we always get practical. We, we try and find a, a way that we can apply some of these principles in our lives. And we've talked a little bit about maybe some tricks we could implement, but can you just share with us, you know, first of all, what a good, or where is a good starting place? If you haven't sort of done this intentionally before, how can someone start to make this a practice in their life, a regular practice? I'd probably say the same. I just, just said for your last question, like just start with like one person next week, mm -hmm. like whether that's like, like look at your schedule and see whether that's going to be less daunting to go out for dinner somewhere or whether you really want to stretch yourself and invite someone to your home because there is a more like intimate connection or mm -hmm. uh, it's a warmer atmosphere when you invite someone into your home but it doesn't have to be that like I said you still get the benefits going out so I would just start with one person and then bit by bit build that up to two people per week yep. yeah and if you already have like if, if you're already eating with people, just think about like inviting someone else along to that. What about the spiritual applications for this? How can we see this as a practice of our faith? You know, we started in that place with the, the, the Christians changing the world, but what about a modern day Christian? How can we express and impact the world through this practice of eating together? Well, there's actually this really, I don't know if, if you've ever noticed this in the gospel, it says that the son of man came dot, dot, dot. Like it has this three different times. And, and I think the first one is like to save the loss or not to be served, but to serve. And then the third one is the son of man came eating and drinking, which is a bit like, wait, what? <laughs> I didn't expect that. Like, and then the third one tells it like his method. And so I think ministering to people at the table is quite simple. Like you just sit with them, you just like, show interest in them yeah you just you feed them spiritual food i guess by just loving on them and so in that way we're just like reflecting what jesus did like just through our actions not not through preaching there might be a time for that but like it might not be necessary yeah and jesus clearly spent a lot of time and copped criticism for eating and drinking with people yeah started um, a revolution <laughs> Yeah, in many ways, he, he changed the, the fabric of society by, you know, eating with people that other people looked down their nose at. But he was like committed to that as part of his ministry. And and can we make the same impact in today's society? Or do you think the world has changed too much? Oh, I think you absolutely can. Like, I think there's still people who are considered outcasts or people who you wouldn't necessarily like want to bring into your home or your circle. I think I've brought people to parties who they haven't necessarily like fitted in with my friendship group or they haven't really had similar interests or anything to what the rest of my friends have, but they're pretty used to me bringing those people now. But yeah, it's like there's always those people that don't necessarily fit in. And I think that has a really big impact when you bring someone in like that. That's a really good, simple practical thing that we can all do and as you said it's simple just start with one invitation just try it and see where it leads you do you have anything else to sort of leave us with what what can we do this week that that, that we should be thinking about focusing on yeah i guess most of us already eat three times a day and so 
the time we need to connect, which is really good for us in many ways, slots right in there with the time we need to nourish our bodies. And so, I don't know, I would just encourage people to just think about who they can invite in and, <laughs> and that'll be a blessing to both you and to the person you're inviting. Like, maybe it'll be more of a blessing to you than the other person, who knows, but True. Yeah, I would just encourage people to like maximize that meal time that they're having to feed, yep. their, feed their soul in other ways as well. This episode was based on an article appearing in this month's Science of the Times magazine. A print subscription is $28 a year or just $14 for a digital subscription. To find out more, visit signsofthetimes.org.au. This is an Adventist Media podcast.